Hi there, and welcome to SciCare, the podcast where we talk about science, self-care, and all things wellness. I'm Robin Laird, your host, and as usual, I hope I'm joining you on a walk right now. And if not, I hope you get a chance to move outside at some point soon. Today we're going to be talking about the difference between raw and cooked plant foods. And there's some interesting things to discuss about the science behind how we prepare our foods. But first, I think it's story time. So I remember about 10 years ago, first getting into nutrition. And in addition to reading lots of articles, I started watching a ton of YouTube videos which are admittedly not always the best source of evidence-based nutritional content. I specifically remember stumbling upon the raw vegan and fruitarian corners of YouTube. Not sure if you're familiar with these terms, but these were videos from influencers talking about how eating only raw foods had entirely transformed their health and their life. They were eating huge, beautiful rainbow salads and immaculate smoothie bowls. The visuals were actually quite stunning, but this was a decade ago, and at the time I hadn't yet begun studying biomedicine, I knew a lot less about human physiology and nutrition than I do today. And it was harder for me to parse quality information from health hypes and anecdotal success stories. To be honest, at that time, I was really enamored by the idea of eating a luscious rainbow of raw foods, but I can tell you this eating pattern never could or would sustain me. I'm personally all for self-experimentation when it comes to health, uh, and even sharing that experimentation, but I still like to take an evidence-based approach to health. So today I'd like to make the episode I wish I had found a decade ago when I first stumbled upon raw foodism content on YouTube. People are often led to believe that highly specific diets will improve their health for good because it's exciting and it's marketable and it's motivating. That's why there are so many of these health hypes and fad diets out there. But today I'm going to be talking about why eating only raw foods specifically is not a balanced long-term solution for over 99% of people. Obviously, we are all very different biochemically, but this is just not a good idea for two reasons. Firstly, from a biomedical perspective, cooking changes the bioavailability of nutrients in our food in a good way. Secondly, from perhaps a more social science perspective, strict diet plans can be incredibly socially isolating, and this can actually ultimately derail our health efforts. So here we go, let's dive in. Raw foodism. Why is this a poor idea for long-term health from a biomedical perspective? Interestingly, different cooking methods actually affect the way our bodies are able to absorb different vitamins and minerals. And if we're only ever eating our food raw, we're going to be making it a lot harder for our body to absorb certain nutritious compounds. So let's take carrots as an example. Carrots can be enjoyed raw or cooked, and there are certainly some benefits to eating carrots raw. They contain hearty fiber, and when eaten raw, you may even ingest some beneficial bacteria and enzymes that you wouldn't if they had been cooked. That's especially the case if they're organically grown or homegrown, and you get little bits of soil in there too. (laughs) But it's also well established that eating carrots when they're cooked allows our body to absorb more of the beta carotene in carrots, which is the type of pro-vitamin A that gives carrots their orange color. So eating foods rich in beta-carotene allows our body to produce vitamin A. So if you were only to eat your carrots raw, you'd be missing out on a rich source of beta-carotene, 
that actually becomes accessible once carrots are cooked. And the same is actually true for lycopene in tomatoes. Lycopene is the carotenoid that gives tomatoes their red color. Eating cooked tomatoes or tomato pastes and purees actually allows our body to absorb more lycopene than if you were to eat tomatoes raw. So cooking can essentially make our plant food more nutrient dense, and it can also make our plant food more calorically dense. If you think about it, a handful of raw spinach becomes a spoonful of spinach once it's steamed. It's a lot easier to eat more vegetables or fruits once they've been cooked. And this may actually sound like a bad thing to some people. I mean, many people are actually looking to lose weight in this day and age. But really what I think most people are striving towards is a healthy and balanced body that feels good and energized. And eating foods that are kind to our digestive system, like cooked vegetables, can help us maintain a balanced body. I mean, nutrient-rich meals aid our overall health. So this process of making the foods we eat more nutrient-rich through cooking is actually the basis for Richard Wrangham's evolutionary theory on how we became so highly cognitively developed. In his book, Catching Fire, How Cooking Made Us Human, he proposes that learning to use fire to biochemically alter our foods played a huge role in our development into highly intellectual homo sapiens with large brains. He argues that the point at which our early ancestors started to use fire coincides with a large increase in their brain size and a reduction in their tooth size. If we look at our closest primate relatives, chimpanzees, who don't practice cooking, they have smaller brains, bigger teeth, and they spend around six to eight hours of their day eating, literally just eating, <laughs> in order to get enough calories in. As humans, we can get by with a few meals a day, depending on your personal eating patterns, but we certainly don't need to devote that many hours of our waking day to eating and feeding. And this gives us a lot of time to do other things like create, think, work, write, socialize. It's actually really amazing that we can do all of this because we have the largest brain to body size of all land mammals and brains are really calorically expensive. They really are. About 25% of your daily caloric intake goes to feeding your super busy brain and that might not sound like a lot but your brain is only two percent of your body weight so if we think about the fact that two percent of our body weight is getting 25 percent of our calories that's kind of wild so cooking does seem to be an important part of nourishing our human bodies and human brains sufficiently. One study that looked at humans following a raw food diet over the course of several years found that those who were eating high raw food diets were actually more likely to be underweight. And for females, it was more strongly associated to a disrupted menstrual cycle. You can imagine that over time your caloric and micronutrient needs are going to be hard to hit if you're only eating raw foods, especially if you consider that chimpanzees spend the majority of their day eating and have a smaller brain than we do. All this said, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be eating raw foods. It just comes down to variety and balance. Raw plant foods are actually a great addition to a balanced cooked food diet. Raw foods may offer our brains and bodies fewer calories, but they're great at feeding our microbiome, the collection of microbes that live in our gut and play a crucial role in our overall health. So really the point here is, you guessed it and I've said it, balance and variety. Another thing to note is that different cooking methods influence vitamin content of food differently. Water-based cooking methods like steaming, boiling, poaching, 
often cause a loss of water-soluble vitamins like vitamin C and B vitamins. And I've heard many people are also scared of microwaving their food, but if you look at the literature, microwaving has been shown to have a better retention rate of antioxidants and vitamins as compared to cooking methods like boiling, where vitamins from vegetables can actually be leached out into the water that they're boiling in. Sautéing and frying can help increase the absorption of fat-soluble vitamins like vitamins A, E, and K. So this is a great option for dark leafy greens. I love sautéed kale. Oh, it's so simple. A little garlic salt on there and it's good to go. And that can really help you absorb that source of vitamin K, lots of vitamin K and leafy greens. So again, variety in how we eat and prepare our foods ensures that we're sort of leveling out the trade-offs of cooking, frying, steaming, etc. One way to actually make our raw foods more digestible is to pre-process them by either fermenting them, think of sauerkraut for example, or even just manually crushing them or adding acid like when you massage kale and lemon juice. These are great examples of pre-processing raw foods to make them more digestible. There's a lot more to say here. The point is that a diet of only raw foods would deprive you of a lot of healthy nutrients and calories that all of our bodies need to function. Okay, great, we got that. Now on to point two, the social side of eating patterns. Eating only raw foods is undoubtedly going to be a very socially isolating way to live, and this can in and of itself be a source of stress. Humans are social beings, <laughs> and I say that as an introvert who can literally spend weeks on my own. We all benefit from social contact and community to some degree. It's well established that people in cohabiting relationships like a marriage or domestic partnership actually live longer than those who are single. And meals are actually an important way for us to connect with loved ones and with our community. So social isolation is a real consideration when we're thinking about our health. When we're stressed, perhaps through such isolation, that can also impact our biochemistry in very real ways. I'll make another episode on the power of physical touch and play in adult happiness and how that actually can influence our biochemistry. But for now, I'd just like to highlight that the mental and social aspects of the way that we eat are also really important. Happy minds make happy bodies. And a classic example of this is the case study of Rosetto, Pennsylvania. The residents of this really close-knit community indulged heavily in red wine, red meat, smoking, and other habits associated with poor heart health, yet they experienced remarkably low rates of cardiovascular disease. Researchers believe their low disease risk was related to their strong social connectedness and low stress lifestyle. I really love this example because it beautifully illustrates how a life of mental and social fulfillment can make our bodies more resilient. This is not to say that food and exercise don't matter because of course they do. It's just to remind you that health is so much more than purely what goes into our mouths. So before you consider jumping on a health hype bandwagon, you know, especially in the new year or like me and raw foodism 10 years ago, make sure you haven't forgotten about the other important areas of your life that also contribute to your health, like your relationships and your connections to your community. The perhaps anticlimactic truth that continues to prevail as I learn more about our bodies is that balance, variety, and moderation are key to healthy living. 
It's not the sexiest or most marketable conclusion to come to, but I think it can give us all a sense of freedom. Freedom to be flexible and trust that our bodies are pretty good at doing their thing, as long as we're providing them with the nutrients, the rest, and the time necessary to do so. I think as the holidays are upon us and a new year is approaching, it's the perfect time to just zoom out and really honestly reflect on our habits. Are they balanced? Overall, are they supporting our health and our happiness? The me of 10 years ago may have been disappointed by this sentiment, but that's because I was looking towards something outside of myself to become healthier. Of course, I continue to learn and research externally, but it's really the internal work that has been the most influential in my health and happiness. I'm guessing you probably already know a few basic things you can do to improve the way you live and take care of yourself. They're likely less titillating than the novelty of a raw food diet or another fad, but I'm certain that that's the real work that will pay off for many healthy decades to come. So, (laughs) this episode took a turn for the sappy, but it's the holidays, I couldn't help myself. I'm gonna end it here for today. I hope you enjoy your veggies, (laughs) raw and cooked, and eat them with loved ones. Thank you for listening. The show notes include references to any studies I mention. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at science.of.selfcare. As always, stay positive, stay healthy, and until next time, friends.